0: Can you love your children too much? Our guest is the clinical psychologist and mum of young children, Jackie Maguire. When does loving your child cross over into indulgence? And what is the impact of this? Kia ora, Jackie. Welcome. Thanks, Catherine. Nice to be here. You can't really love your child too much, but you can express love in ways that are counterproductive would that be fair
1: it's a good clickback title isn't it yeah, 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 and, yeah and I think my view on that would be no we absolutely can't love our children too much but how is that love channeled and are you channeling that love in a way that supports your child to prosper or are you channeling that way uh, that love in a way that perhaps hinders your child or actually in some cases uh, doesn't do them justice
0: it's uh a really hard boundary to put around this and it's also very very personal mm-hmm. right as to where you believe the boundary is and mm-hmm. also even the things you're doing subconsciously right
1: a- absolutely and i think if you look throughout history and where perhaps parenting styles sit now you know, critics would say or researchers would say our parenting has become more child centered now than it was historically and you can you can take that finding and you can put your own meaning to that you know i was doing i was doing a um presentation on generational differences yesterday uh, and we were looking at generation x which might be the age group that raised me for example and that age group thanks (laughs) jack and that age group you know were known to be latchkey kids in Mm. terms of they almost raised themselves Mm -hmm. so then do you take children that almost raised themselves Mm. and and put them in in a parenting role and it's like well, I want to give my child everything they can because I kind of felt like I, I did my own parenting of myself. So you can kind of make all these conclusions about where parenting styles Look, stay are influenced with by.
0: Stay with Gen X and, and before, we've got smaller families as well. Yeah. And when you had, as in my case, six kids, you, you know, past three, you didn't know, what's that one's name? Which, <laughs> the Who's situation. raising who? Slight <laughs> exaggeration. But, you know, you were busier, right? Yeah. And, and, and the, opportunity to, um, the opportunity to have to be so focused Focus all that love on on, on one child, Mm. um, probably a little bit different as well. But it's interesting you talk about parenting styles because the criticism back to, say, post-war and a lot of war-damaged fathers, Mm. actually that generation was the parent was cold remote the child was authoritarian all that kind of stuff and we don't want to go back there either do we no
1: no. and so if you look at the four main parenting styles in the research you've got authoritarian parenting which is what you're describing you have permissive parenting which is part of this overindulgence which I'm sure we'll get to which is like I'm kind of free-range parenting hands-off my child doesn't have boundaries or rules because I want them to be able to explore uh, you have neglectful parenting which I think by the name shows how damaging that is to the child and then you have authoritative parenting which is different to authoritarian and authoritative is I'm warm and I'm nurturing but my child has boundaries so you know I, I might give them freedom of choice within boundaries I give them rationale for for example it's bedtime authoritarian parenting would be go to bed because I've told you to so authoritative would be it's time for bed because your body needs rest and sleep come on into bed it's not you get to stay up because you want to but I'm just giving you some rationale and I'm doing it in a pretty balanced way and the permissive is
0: go to bed okay go to bed you want to stay up you want more snacks (laughs) you want more food it's all good
1: you make the rules (laughs) yeah Um. yeah And again there's no judgement with that Catherine, I think most parents set out wanting to do the best for their Mm. kids and I think if you look at what perhaps drives uh, this term of overindulgence, and and that's really been around since the mid-90s, and if you break down overindulgence there's there's three categories to that really One is that that your child is given too much stuff, be it material possessions, be it wealth be it your time, be it your attention be it resources, so you have a child that that has actually Access to everything they want all of the time, um, and again, you can see, you know, if a parent was raised uh, without getting their needs met, you can see why that would turn into I just want to provide my child, my child, with everything that they should ever want. The second part to it is is the over nurturing and. You may have heard of terms like helicopter parenting or snowplough parenting, which is, I don't want my child to feel pain. I want them to be happy I don't in want life. Them to have obstacles. I don't want them to have obstacles. Mm-hmm. So I'll hover and I'll protect mm. and, and I'll move the difficulties out of the way. And so, you know, when you think about that, a child doesn't have the opportunity to... Learn to believe that they have, believe Mm -hmm. that they've got skills because the underlying unspoken message to that is if I do everything for you, I don't believe you can do it. So I need to come in and do it. The third part to it is is what they would term soft structure, and that really is a lack of discipline or boundaries or rules.
0: That's interesting because the permissive can fall into two parts. It can be you can have everything, and then there is the You can go and smack the kids at playgroup, and I'm not going to do anything about it. And that causes real friction in groups, doesn't it? Absolutely. That clash of parenting styles, yeah. Can you also have an – I understand why you did that in almost an indulgence of – hey, say it's hitting a sibling, right? Um, And there's there's a line between the permissive and the authoritative, isn't Mm -hmm. there? Which is, I understand why you did that, and you must be feeling this – What's the difference between the two in that situation? One has a consequence and the other doesn't?
1: Well, there's a second half to it, which was, I can see you're frustrated. I can see you really wanted that toy and it's not okay to hit people. What are we going to do? How do we go and make sure Tommy is okay? Do we need to give him a hug? Do we need to say sorry? And you need to hand that back. So it's like there's, a, there's an expectation and a rule around it. And I think with the permissive parenting, the research would say the expectations and the rules aren't present.
0: Okay. Let's talk
1: about the overindulgence
0: side of things. And again, there's overlap between permissive, which is, of course, you can have Everything you want, mm-hmm. and um, and the um, what's the other one I was going to think of? Um, let's just let's just start with that. So let, let's talk about what you mean by by overindulgence. Oh, the other thing is the, the the idea of expressing the love this way. Yeah, they're kind of slightly different things in, in and of themselves. But how can we see overindulgence happen? How how can we identify it as as too much, too easy?
1: Yeah, I, I think. For all of us, when we look at if you are a parent yourself and if you can take a view of, I'm actually not going to judge myself on this. We are who we are, be it from our background, be it from our circumstances, you know, putting judgment and blame and critique in there is unhelpful. So let's take a step back and go, when my child is, for example, they bring their homework home and they go, you know, mum, dad, whoever, I don't want I don't know how to do this. Do you step in and do you do it for them? <laughs> do you go talk me through what's tough, you know, and do you do you provide a coaching mentality through them? And so, you know that's often an example that's used that many parents will sit and do the homework for them or they'll ring their teenagers and say come on it's time for school, get up or, you know, are you kind of in there basically over protecting, providing everything your child needs so they don't actually have to think or act or have self-responsibility or can you be that coach alongside it? Which is, I'm not going to leave you just to flounder. I'm not going to go old school authoritarian parenting. But but there are some expectations that you put effort in You're and you persevere. try and you got to persevere.
0: I know with the two uh, overlaps, I was thinking of this that the, you can have everything. You can have the latest toy. You can have this and you can have it now and you can have it without contributing anything towards yeah. it. And then the snowplow, which is the removal of yes. the obstacles. Do they sometimes go hand in hand? Oh, I,
1: I think. It's different in every family yeah, situation, yeah. Catherine, yeah. and it's probably not helpful to draw big conclusions like that. But I think we're seeing more of the helicopter and the snowplough parenting. Right. Um, and the rationale would be as social media continues to rise, as we become kind of bombarded with this information that perhaps the world is not safe or uh-huh. we need to protect our children. And actually, I think what's really important to to you know note is that whilst it's always, I think, done with the best intention... If we remove obstacles or we swoop in to fix so our children never get to feel pain, they don't understand disappointment, they don't learn how to navigate failure, adult life is not like that. And so I think it's really important for parents to be able to stop and go, long term, who who do I want to develop? Like These adults that they will grow to become, what skill sets do I want my children to have? And how do I parent accordingly? So let's apply that to the want-everything
0: side of things. What are the principles you're applying that means this is learning? I mentioned that if you want the latest X and Y, A, you may have to wait, and B, you may have to contribute something. Are they two good factors to build up?
1: I think absolutely, which is part of, you know, life is you've got to work hard and you've got to earn. And the world doesn't just provide everything for you all of the time because you know, yes, you may come from an affluent family that can provide you with the material things that you want, the latest trends. But say you're an adult at work and you don't uh, get the job promotion you are after, you can't walk into your leader's room and, and stamp your feet and yell and scream and expect to get that. So I think coming back to that, You know, view of if I want to be able to grow adult children that have got efficacy, so they believe they can, they can do, they have confidence in their skill. If I want to have well. adult children because overindulgence has been linked to higher rates of anxiety and depression. If I want to have children that actually value meaning in life rather than extrinsic motivators so that having everything all the time, overindulgence is linked to in adulthood, you know, life meaning being materialistic, wealth driven.
0: A risk can be that out of guilt or a sense I'm not with my child enough or I've been enough Correct. child that, that you try and compensate yeah. with things yeah. um, and that is something to be wary
1: Yes, and I think that comes down to what are the many reasons that perhaps might lead us to that. I think as you have two parent working families just to live in this country with the cost of living, I think absolutely you get part of that. How can I come home and ask my child to do chores when actually I've not been around them all day, I just want to spend quality time with them, or I feel guilty for for not being there for them so I'm not going to put consequences or natural consequences in place when they're they're deserved. It may be, um, and you will have heard of this term before, going in the nursery which generally leads to attachment but I think if we put it in this framework you know What did my childhood teach me about parenting and relationships and how do I want to then bring that to my children? Um, I think a lot of it is is also parental anxiety or having a skill to manage big emotions because when children don't get what they want, of course they're going to fight back, get frustrated, get upset. But, But I look at our role as parents as being able to contain that. I see the big emotion, it's okay, and I can manage it.
0: It's also tiredness itself, because that can you've just had enough and you just yeah. concede. And
1: actually, and it's to easier your point, sometimes don't to give beat yourself up all the
0: time when that happens. <laughs> yeah. This is about what becomes the norm, right? Yeah. On the question of overindulgence in time and attention, um, this is this is interesting, and this again is about a child learning that you don't have an automatic right—you have an automatic right to love all the time, right? Mm-hmm. And your parent is going to have your back and be there when they need to be there. That's uh-huh. certainly their intention. But that doesn't mean that right this minute, what you're doing, demanding, saying, wanting, is what's going to be responded mm. to. Again, that's kind of a challenging line. And and at what age does this have to be kind of taught? Because we move from that very, very dependent, um, dependent state to needing to understand that actually sometimes, a classic example is two parents are talking. mm and we're not necessarily going to interrupt what we're doing Mm -hmm. if you're unsafe we will but but uh to necessarily you know, involve involved. Well I you. think
1: a toddler can be, can, can be taught that Catherine mm-hmm. uh, and I think you've got to look at, you can go back to Erickson's developmental stages, a toddler needs to learn to become independent, whether it's to go to the toilet or carry their bag to kindy or actually you've got some things where uh, autonomy is really important to what we would call self determination theory. If you want to be a well adjusted child and adult, you need to have autonomy and control in your life, you need to feel like you're competent and you need to have good relationships with people and so that can start really young with children in terms of and it's how you deliver the message right if we're having a conversation and my three year old wants to interrupt me you know authority tearing parenting would be to slam them and, and shut them up authoritative parenting would be I can hear you wanting to tell me something, I'm in the middle of the conversation you know, when I'm finished talking with Catherine then I'll absolutely be with you you know, and, and so it's a, it's it's how you're delivering that message but the boundary is in place.
0: Let's come back to the snowplough which you point out is probably the, the, the biggest, one of the biggest challenges of our age because of all those things you mentioned, fear being one of them, um, we've got all this external stimuli, you, you talk about older generations. I still raised my I look at my mother's childhood um, as, a, as a child of a of a widow with four kids under mm. five in the depression. Yeah, and then by the time she was twelve, I think World War Two had broken out. And by the time she was sixteen or seventeen, Hiroshima. Had yes, we we think we've got existential worries. Yeah. Can you imagine that on a young brain? But the difference was, you might get a paper in the morning and you might hear something on the radio at yeah. night and then you've got on with life whereas we are just bombarded all the time mm-hmm. with existential threat so some of that is about our nervous systems and our fears yeah. um, and and how can we learn to manage ourselves
1: yes yeah. well I think part of this is how do we manage our own anxiety which is can you recognize what feeds your worry so if it's the you know Facebook Instagram targeted advertising that is telling you all about how to parent and how you should be parenting, actually can you barrier or boundary how much time you spend on that or can you go and block those sites? Is this helpful for you or not? Who are you spending time with in your life? Other people or other parents, other friends that are helpful to you or not? And do you have skills to physiologically manage your anxiety? Do you have rest time without being on a device? Do you know how to breathe from your belly? Do you have any downtime in your day rather than running or overrunning your nervous system so that you're just like pumping full of a and cortisol all day. So I think that is part of our own responsibility to go, am I calm? And there's a, there's a really good book written by a New Zealander called Mindful Parenting. The author's name is Shirley Pastoroff. And she talks about you know are you parenting from a red brain an orange brain or a green brain and I really love her framework because she says often it's not how the children are behaving but it's how we respond as adults in terms of the outcome we get so that green brain parenting is I'm calm I'm in control I problem save problem solve, and I can coach and guide you rather than being reactive and red brain or 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 just busy in my orange brain all the time and and what she said to me when I Interviewed her one day was green brain doesn't mean you have to be always available well, you to your be. children. No, really you can always be in you your green brain. <laughs> um, but but you know I could be in the house somewhere else, and they know that if they need me, that I'll be there if they really need uh-huh. me. You know that, that difference between I'm always on and my, always there versus when I'm needed, I am there. One of the
0: questions about the snowplower as well, uh, it, 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 and it, and I don't know what this is, what's driven this? Again, it could be the competitiveness that we have with our Insta lives these days, but. Um, the parent who's going to go to the school and demand this. And the, honestly, yeah. I talked to a dean of a United States college who said parents will turn up with their kids who are starting university and sit in her office. And, like, the whole point of going to college and going to university is to independence, is to, is to independence and to yeah. start to navigate your own world. And they're sitting there literally doing this stuff. Um, and, and I'm not quite sure what drives it, really. it's it's Again, maybe it's a fear of the world being unfair and unequal and it's competitive and it's hard, and I'm going to make sure way is clear
1: how much is enough and how much is too much but i also think it's how society is shaping us now so should every child get player of the day just because it's on rotation or are we are we praising skill and effort that doesn't mean you, Carol Dweck. you, you know <laughs> or Or I see it all the time with parents around me. You know, disappointment is a regular thing for my child, and that's okay. No, you can't have an ice block today, and yep, you can throw an absolute meltdown. And see it on the side of sports fields
0: and courts, don't we? Again, um, with uh, sometimes appalling behaviour that 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 goes on. But let's come back then to just hopefully someone who's not going to go and harangue the referee. Yeah. um, But let's just come back again to knowing. How much is responsible? Being being aware of um, risks and helping a yeah. child navigate risks. Well, and I would how say, is, is your
1: much? child in danger? are they being emotionally hurt? Like like, can you as a reasonable adult go actually disappointment because children have excluded my child in a game at school is actually part of life, it hurts it sucks, I don't want to watch that as a parent I hate seeing my child in pain but, you're not but is go it and my sort role <laughs> to go and sort the children out or yeah. to talk to their, to their parents yeah. or is it my role to sit alongside my child and go it is so disappointing it is hurtful, you know, what do you do in those moments? If that happened to Again, how would you navigate that? I see my parent in that role. If it happened repeatedly and my child's Mm -hmm. being bullied at school and there's a pattern of that and it's causing major impact, yeah, that's my role as a parent to advocate and to go in constructively about how do we manage that. But I think it is that line of reasonableness.
0: One question, is it possible to help an overindulged 16-year-old boy? Now, this is interesting. If the horse is bolted and some patterns are established,
1: can you...? revisit? I, I think you can always revisit but you have to know that when you are, are reparenting or establishing new ground rules, you're likely to see a pretty unpleasant reaction and you've got to be prepared for that. So if my child has always had everything they want and suddenly that's stopping, I think with a 16 year old I'd be giving an explanation to that. I'd be having a pretty rational uh, at 16 you can have quite an adult conversation about it and then you just have to have very clear guidelines in place around I suppose what you're prepared to give and what you're not and, and when the answer's no and you get a big reaction, you've got to hold your line.
0: you got to practice what you preach. It's all about managing um, your own reaction to things your own responses to things and
1: how do you do that in the moment Catherine I think you have to keep the long-term goal Mm. at hand if you have a child that expects everything all the time or they expect to be the center of your attention all the time how will that play out for them in their own adult relationships Mm. or when they're owning their own wage lovely
0: you should say that we've just had someone saying my kids are 26 times two and 23 and this program is still really useful (laughs) Parenting doesn't stop. Doesn't
1: end. (laughs) Jackie, thank you.